You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. Our scripture this morning comes to us from two different places. First, from the book of Exodus in chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, and that's on page 64 of your Old Testament in your pew Bibles, if you want to follow along. Then we're going to jump to Joshua chapter 1, uh, which is on page 232 of the Old Testament, if you want to follow along, as I read this morning from the Good News Translation. One day, while Moses was taking care of the sheep and goats of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, He led the flock across the desert and came to Sinai, the holy mountain. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him as a flame coming from the middle of a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but that it was not burning up. He thought to himself, this is strange. Why isn't the bush burning up? I will go closer to see. When the Lord saw Moses was coming closer, he called to him from the middle of the bush saying, Moses, Moses. And he answered, yes, here I am. And God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so Moses covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have seen how cruelly my people are being treated in Egypt. I have heard them cry out to be rescued from their slave drivers. I know all about their sufferings. And so I have come down to rescue them from Egyptians and to bring them out of Egypt into a spacious land, one that is rich and fertile and in in which the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites now live. I have indeed heard the cry of my people, and I see how the Egyptians are oppressing them. And now I am sending you to the king of Egypt so that you can lead my people out of his country." But Moses said to God, I am nobody. How can I go to the king and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And then God answered, I will be with you. And when you bring the people out of Egypt, you will worship me on this mountain. That will be proof that I have sent you. And then from Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. After the death of the Lord's servant Moses, the Lord spoke to Moses' helper Joshua, the son of Nun, He said, My servant Moses is dead. Get ready now, you and all the people of Israel, and cross the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. As I told Moses, I have given you and all my people the entire land that you will be marching over. Your borders will reach from the desert in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the great Euphrates Euphrates River in the east, through the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea to the west. Joshua, no one will be able to defeat you as long as you live. I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will always be with you. I will never abandon you. Be determined and confident, for you will be the leader of these people as they occupy the land which I promised to their ancestors. Just be determined, be confident, and make sure to obey the whole law that my my servant Moses gave you. Do not neglect any part of it, and you will succeed wherever you go. Be sure that the book of the law is always read in your worship. Study it day and night and make sure that you obey everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Remember that I have commanded you to be determined and confident. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for I, the Lord your God, am with you wherever you will go. The word of the Lord. 
things. Be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our Redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, Amen. As I shared before, the most terrifying part of every week for me as a pastor is the moment that I open up a Word document and stare at a blank page and a flashing cursor because it is now time to write the message. I take a deep breath and I pray something to the effect of, Dear Jesus, don't let me mess this up. Sometimes I do. Now, obviously, there are more challenging and more difficult parts of ministry, but nothing looms over me in the same way that the message does. And that's because of this one simple fact. Sunday is coming. No matter what my week has been like, no matter what's been going on in the life of the church, Sunday is coming. And nothing ever changes that reality. Sunday's coming. I have to be ready. I did one time in seminary wing it on a sermon and it did not go well and I will never ever do that again, ever. I have to be ready. Sunday is coming. And now I don't say that to complain or to make excuses or even to let myself off the hook for those times when you've gone home scratching your head saying, what in the world was that? Those moments have happened, let's just be honest. But I say that Because I love the challenge of preaching. I love the rhythm that sermon preparation gives to my week. But I also say that to confess to you that I struggle with a fear of failure in a very real way. And you all get to behold me wrestle with my fear in front of God and everybody on a weekly basis. It gets more challenging to know that it isn't just writing the sermon that's important. That's just the beginning. Because there was an article I read in seminary that now lives rent-free in my head that said that despite the changes to the culture of the church, the preaching event is the time of the week when the pastor will address the most people that she or he will in any given week. And like, I get that there's more to my life and there's more to ministry than just this moment. Like, this week is the week that I get to go to Hiawatha Heights and do communion. I'll be out and about in Laura's Lattes a couple times this week. And there's also home volleyball and football this week. I'm so excited. Go Seahawks. But I still get to see most of your wonderful faces when I'm doing this. And like, I get to stand where I get to stand and I get to see all of your faces. And I love that. But it's also challenging. It is also the message that we put on our weekly podcast and on YouTube and on TV. I can't tell you how weird it has been to be your pastor and have someone come up to me and say, Hey, I recognize you from television. What? Okay. You know me, or I know you, but you don't know me. That's a little bit unnerving sometimes. And by the way, the sermon has to be faithful to the text. The sermon has to be theologically sound. The sermon should be relevant to our lives and all in 1,300 words or fewer. For those keeping score at home, we're at about 300, so buckle in. 
If I fail on my weekly mission to deliver the word of God, I feel like I have failed you. If I fail in my weekly mission to bring the word of God, I feel as though I have let my colleagues down. And more than that, and bigger than all of that, if I fail, there is a sense where I feel that I've let God down. Because after all, this whole thing was God's idea, not mine. And if I don't hold up my end of the bargain, I have let God down. So far in this series on fear, we have dealt with fear in a general sense. We've looked at how fear triggers within us a fight or flight or freeze response. We've dealt with our irrational fears like ketchup and snakes. And we've also looked at those fears that shape our reality, our fear of other people, our fear of being friendless and alone. This week, we turn our attention to this fear of failure, this fear that exists in the back of our heads, this fear that exists in the bottom of our hearts that says you're only going to embarrass yourself or you don't have what it takes, or it's too hard for you, so why even bother trying? This fear of failure and the awful accompanying scenarios of shame and our inability to provide and just the societal stigma around losing makes a fear of failure one of the most prevalent fears. Sometimes our fear of failing is so strong that it it impedes our ability to even start something. We're too afraid and so we don't start that project at work. We're too afraid and so we don't have that conversation we need to have. We're too afraid and so we do not make that final decision on an opportunity that is before us. We're too afraid and we hear the call of God and can't handle it. Our fear of failure can be so strong and our fear of failure can be so prevalent that our fear owns us. And we end up missing out on something that God had in store for us. In a weird way, this is the situation in which we find Moses in our scripture for this morning. At the ripe young age of 80 years old, Moses, who has spent most of his entire adult life tending the flocks of his father-in-law, Jethro, he hears the call of God. At age 80, Moses hears the call of God, and the call of God is for Moses to go to Egypt. And not just go to Egypt, go to Pharaoh and proclaim that the time of Israel's captivity in Egypt has come to an end. And rather than seeing this as good news, rather than being empowered by this, rather than be exhilarated by this, rather than seeing this as an honor that God would ask him, Moses is terrified. Moses feels mortal dread. Moses is paralyzed. And out of that fear, Moses hears the call of God, and Moses only responds with excuses. 
If we were to keep, if we were to have kept reading this morning, we would have heard four different times that Moses challenges God, four different times that Moses presents a roadblock, four different times that Moses gives an excuse. And we would have also heard four different times that God specifically addresses what Moses is talking about. We heard the first one at the tail end of Scripture. Moses says to God that he is not adequate for this job. And like, I get that. I feel that way sometimes. But God reminds Moses that God will be with him. Moses then says that he just doesn't know enough. And God returns by revealing the divine name to Moses, which only a very few number of people knew at the time, the name of God being Yahweh. And Moses says that people won't take me seriously. But God gives Moses a sign to perform that will remove any doubt. And Moses says, I'm no good with words. I can't possibly go to Pharaoh and say what you've told me to say. And God reminds Moses that God will give Moses the words that he needs. And then Moses just digs into the heart of his fear and says, Oh God, send somebody else. And God says, No, but I'll give you a helper named your brother Aaron. Moses is so afraid to fail that he almost missed out on what God has in store for him. And the good news of the story is that Moses eventually does go. And the people of Israel eventually are freed. And Moses does indeed become the leader of the people. But then in our second reading, we fast forward an entire generation. Moses has died and God raises up Joshua. And what we hear is God make the same promises to Joshua that God made to Moses. I will be with you as I was with Moses. No one will defeat you as long as you keep the law. Do not be afraid for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And the good news for us is as we face our own fears... As we are terrified, and as we take that faith-filled first step, the word of God to Moses and the word of God to Joshua is the word of God to you and to me. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for I, the Lord your God, am with you wherever you go. God is with us as we try something new and celebrate success. God is with us as we freeze up. God is with us as we fall flat on our faces in failure. It's bound to happen. It's bound to happen. And so with the last 350-ish words of this message, let me ask you to consider this. What is it that you are afraid of doing? What is it that you are afraid of starting? What is it you are afraid of trying again because you are afraid to fail? 
What is God calling to your mind as you pray and read Scripture? Is there something that you're being called to do? Is there a burning bush you're afraid of noticing? Is there a conversation you're afraid of having because you're afraid to say the wrong thing or you're afraid that you'll come on too strong or you're afraid that you'll be dismissed? What excuses are you making? Are you secretly hoping that God will just move on to the next person if we just wait long enough? And what might you miss out on if you do not take the risk? What does God have in store for you that you will miss if you are so afraid, too afraid to fail? Because, friends, the reality is that to live is to risk. To put words on a blank Word document is a risk. To go to Pharaoh and proclaim the release of God's people is a risk. To lead those same people is a risk. Our life of faith is full of so many risks. And risks are scary. I'm not denying that. Risks are scary. Because we might mess up. We might look foolish. We might fail. But if we always choose the safe, if we always choose the convenient, if we always choose the risk-free, we will find that we have failed anyway. Because we will have failed to live. We will have failed to live faithfully. And if we believe God's word to be true, if we believe that the Lord our God is with us and wherever we go, what what do we have to fear? It is God who says to Joshua, to Moses, and to you and to me, do not be afraid. For the Lord your God is with you anywhere you go. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we give you thanks for your call on our lives. We give you thanks for the hard things you're asking us to do. And we give you thanks for that feeling, that tremor, that knot in our stomach that only you can stem and untie. We acknowledge that we're afraid sometimes and we acknowledge that we respond as Moses did with excuses and obfuscation. God, give us courage. Give us wisdom. And give us power to take the risk and to follow faithfully. Let us be unafraid, for we know that you are with us in all ways and in all places. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. 
Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.